I'm the living dream of my my grandparents' prayers and their journeys, their migrant journeys, was such a huge thing for me to be able to do. And without their sacrifices and love, I definitely wouldn't have been here today. Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself. And if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone and welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I am lucky enough to have Leilani Fa'a'io Aso. She is an incredible woman. I've introduced you guys to so many incredible women recently, not to turn my own horn, but a lot of them are coming out of a program called the Y25, which will be taking nominations soon, look it up, but basically it is an organisation that in my mind brings together and connects young wahine and non-binary binary people who are interested in contributing to a better world and a better society. Leilani is one of those young wahine. Leilani is an enterprise and governance change maker, a youth and Pacifica advocate and is currently studying a double degree, Bachelor of Business and Management and a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology at Massey Uni. She is an eloquent and powerful woman who carries so much humility and appreciation for the community around her that believed in her and helped push her to embrace her potential, which is so huge. Uh, To have her on this podcast is really exciting for me because she has a perspective that is born out of dual lived experiences. Being a New Zealand-born Samoan who is upholding the expectations of her family as well as the expectations of a society that she is wanting to thrive within. And so having her share a little bit about that and the influences on her life and her career and how she wants to help raise others up in that same environment is truly inspiring. There's a quote I refer to in our initial discussion, which I'm going to read to you now. It's a quote from Leilani, and I think it encompasses so much of who she is. There is so much power in asking and saying yes to opportunities. I am incredibly blessed to have been raised with love, grace and wisdom, knowing that having the courage to step out and speak up is valuable and necessary. Reflecting on how far I've come, I am amazed and grateful for my family's journey as migrants in search of a better future, as I am able to strive for excellence only through their hard work and sacrificial love. Today we discuss the access to opportunities for young people in business, how to say yes to the right opportunities for you while being aware of burnout and overwhelm from the lived perspective of Miss Leilani. Please enjoy this conversation. Don't forget to follow Leilani on TikTok and I look forward to introducing you to Leilani now. Leilani, thank you so much for being here and and for being willing to share your story with us today. Um, I've known you for what feels like a lifetime, but has realistically only been what, like not even a year. So um, appreciate you and your presence in my life already. How are you today? So I love that, Sarah. I am lovely today. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time. I remember asking you at the Y25 retreat and I can't believe that today is the day. So very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. 
oh, honestly, the it's really a privilege on my end, and I'm so excited for this conversation uh, and to hear your experience when it comes to saying yes, how that's grown and evolved over time. So I referenced a quote that you had said uh, in the intro of this podcast, where you talk to the power of asking and saying yes to opportunities. And I know this may have evolved over time, but from your perspective, what does it mean to say yes to opportunities? Yes. (laughs) How interesting. Um, Yeah, so for me, I've been very blessed with many opportunities throughout my life. And saying yes has required a lot of commitment and time um, and the capacity for me to be able to be involved in those opportunities. Um, but as you said, that sometimes those perspectives grow. Um, and so saying yes this year meant I was on five boards, worked two part-time jobs, uh, studied full-time, still a daughter, taking care of my grandparents, my parents, and my lovely cat, Chappy. Uh, and I said yes to many things. Uh, but I think something that I needed to do was also say yes to myself and the opportunities that I give myself to intentionally reflect Um, but also see where I'm at. So um, whilst I have said yes to many opportunities, whether it's personal uh, development or professional um, or those day-to-day spontaneous shopping trips, um, yeah, I wanted to honour God for his continual blessings and love for guiding me, um, especially in those opportunities, but needed to recognise that not all of those were ones that I needed to say yes to. So I'm now saying yes to opportunities for me means honouring my inherent knowledge Uh, and capabilities and acknowledging that I still can grow and learn uh, from the opportunity, whether it's saying yes or saying no. Um, And sometimes it's opportunities that are right up my alley or ones that just seem a bit far-fetched, but maybe I can grow in those spaces. So yeah, it's it's been a journey for sure. But I think where I'm sitting at now is, yes, I can still say yes, but only if I have the capacity to fully commit and be in those spaces and not stretch myself then like I have this year. Mm, I I think this is such a pivotal part of your 20s especially because hearing you talk about it brings me right back to <laughs> probably one of the most transformational times of my career, I would say like professional life, which is when I interned and then had a graduate role um, at PwC, which is a corporate accounting firm for those that don't aren't in that corporate world. And I know that Leilani is interning at Deloitte at the moment and probably has her own experiences around what that's been like for her. But it was, to me, um, I was told for so long that this was such an amazing opportunity that I needed to take, that I, I should take, and that would set me on this path to success, essentially. And then I got further into the role and I thought, why is my version like my experience of this opportunity not matching up to what other people have told me it's going to be and you're kind of experiencing that now with all of the various commitments you have in your life where you're trying to work out what actually is an opportunity to me like how do I identify what an opportunity is to me because not all of us have the same definition of what an opportunity is and I used to be the same where you know you you follow this uh, I, I don't know what, what to call it, but you follow the saying that is say yes to every opportunity and just get in there and get stuck in. And I think there's so much merit to doing that, especially when you're younger and you have less um, commitments and, the, and there's less risk maybe typically. But there's also a time that you get to, and it sounds like this is sort of where you're at the moment, where 
you say yes to too much and then you realize, wait, these aren't even the kind of opportunities I want to be saying yes to. And so how have you started to identify like what an opportunity actually is to you? That was my existential crisis last weekend. <laughs> 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 that going to be fresh then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, new woman. Um, yeah, so I think an opportunity now is definitely one that um, for me it's been like those spaces that I can be my authentic self um, and doing that means being unapologetically me and not having to hide or um, I guess frame things in a way that wouldn't be true to who I am. Um, and it's been really hard because there's some spaces where I'm like, I can see the long game. I can see the benefits that will come, but mentally and socially it's draining me and the benefits to others come with so many sacrifices to myself. And it's, it's been so hard to be in spaces where it's like, great, I'm here. Like, what can I do? How can I change the world? Or like, who can I educate today or, or you know, help more? Um, but it's it's kind of been a really hard time of, oh, actually, the things that I've said or the value that I bring isn't what they're ready for or isn't being heard loudly enough. Like, I'll, I'll say so many things. But at the end of the day, if that opportunity is not the right time or space for it, then it's not for me. And I had a conversation with my lovely girl, Natalia Ferretti, um, who is one of our Yes alum. And she said, you know, sis, if you're unhappy in that space, as soon as that happens, you go. And once that space, you know, you feel like all the value that you're bringing into it's not worth it anymore, um, then you close that door. And for me, I was like, oh, that's actually a lot of the spaces I'm in, like, um, you know, I, I turn around and I look at all my um, accolades and achievements this year and I'm like, cool, but like, what did that opportunity actually mean for me? Um, and so now I guess it's involving yourself in those spaces where you know your value is um, is meaningful and you know the contributions you're making is making an impact. And as a young person, as you mentioned, that is really hard to find. Um, we face so many uh, barriers as people who have less experience or um, who don't know enough knowledge or things um, but there are so many spaces that will value that um, we just need to find them or make them uh, and I think once once we can make those healthy spaces for our youth uh, or for our Pacific uh, then we can truly be continue to be in the opportunity um, rather than going into spaces and opportunities that don't allow us to be ourselves um, or contribute the value that we bring yeah yeah, you mentioned sometimes the benefits to others come at a detriment to yourself and I think that that can be quite a profound but often disheartening realisation when you, when you start to understand that and I know you are someone who values service to others and is very much very conscious and thoughtful about the way uh, you act and contribute to this world in service of other people. And so how do you identify or I guess reconcile with that when you're trying to help other people within your communities but then also make sure that you're not hurting yourself in the process? Mm, I um, So as you mentioned, we're part of the Y25 and not only do we have an amazing cohort this year, but we have amazing alumni. And one of our alumni is, I think her name's Brittany Tassia. Excuse me if I pronounced that wrong, um, sis, but 
she um, was doing one of the Y25 takeovers, I think a couple of years ago, and I had asked her this question of like, how do you, as um, I think she she was like a clinical psych or something at the time, um, and I was like, as a clinical psychologist, make um, spaces for Pacific women within the system and, and continue to make those spaces. And she said something really interesting along the lines of um, just being you um, is like a testament to your service to others or continuing to be in that space um, in and of itself is like a um, an aspiration that people can look up to even without you trying to make those spaces. You existing in those spaces is enough to serve um, or represent your community. And I think that was a huge mind switch for me to go, oh, I don't actually need to like go and sacrifice myself and like lie on the table and people just pick off the menu. I can actually just be me and continue to do my journey and people will see that and see it as a service to the community. Because when I look at the spaces I'm in, university, governance boards, corporate now, you know, and it's like, oh, just existing and just being in those spaces every day in and of itself is um, is service. And I think sometimes it's, it's something we don't give ourselves credit enough for is continuing to thrive um, and going to spaces that's not common. Um, and even though we might not be, I guess, representing or advocating for our communities necessarily, um, being in those spaces is a huge success. Um, and so I think it's important to celebrate those as well. Mm, mm, I could not agree more because you developing and growing just as an individual and you trying to evolve as this better version of yourself as a stronger more resilient more aware more informed more educated more empathetic version of yourself who you are all of those things already but doing that and that constant pursuit of doing that is serving others in so many ways that and helping them to get to a place that they haven't seen or been to before. And I think it can be quite easy to forget that when you are constantly putting in the work. And it is every day. Like you make a choice, Leilani, when you wake up every day, you make a choice to be this person that you are and to continue to grow and to continue to have that empathetic outlook and the way that you talk to others and, and the way that you understand things. And I think that in itself can be quite an exhausting, but also a very selfless pursuit that doesn't get recognized by others, but also by ourselves, especially. And I, I think that like phrase, you existing is enough to serve is something I did not hear ever before until this year when I was introduced to the why and the other beautiful people in our cohort where I think maybe Latavia um, who is an incredible woman I've had on this podcast that you will know if you listen to the podcast to those of you listening um, she had said it to me about something maybe I said that I felt insecure about being in in this space because I guess just a lack of feeling good enough amongst so many incredible people of service and and quality quality people but it really is that choice of being that person every day that exists to prove how you are helping others but it's something that is so hard to remind yourself of when you also probably especially within your communities and in many places representing youth pacific youth pacific women and you probably see so much work that still needs to be done and feeling like, how can I still continue to contribute to that? 
um, while also giving myself the space to have the capacity to serve in those spaces as well. Yes, and and your um, the point that you touched on about Latavia reminds me of the quotes that she said at the retreat, which was, you know, there's activism and joy, there's activism and rest, there's activism and existing, and those simple things in life that we often forget are still um, ways or methods of activism and taking care of yourself and loving yourself enough to fill your own cup so that you can then go out and serve others um, and fill their cups too. And I think it was such an awesome reminder to think, oh yeah, like this might not be me working or serving my community, but me just making sure that I exist and continue to live and eat and breathe um, is going to happen in the long term. And I think it's something that was such a beautiful reminder for us in the Y25 um, because both you and I work so hard, uh, but often we forget to take care of ourselves too. Uh, so it was such a beautiful uh, event to be catered to and cared for and see the, the love and care that we deserve, but then also do that to ourselves um, going forward. And I know that for you, a part of that service is your commitment to your family. And I know that your grandparents' legacies are an incredibly important part of the mahi and and the commitment you have to what you do. Uh, I want to know from you, like, how have they inspired what you do today? How does that come through every day in the person you choose to show up as? Yes, thank you for asking that beautiful question. I remember when I saw it, I was like, my girl did her research. Yeah, she knows me. (laughs) (laughs) So you slay, Sarah. Um, So yes, to give a bit of context, all my grandparents moved from Samoa to New Zealand. Uh, in the late 1900s and wanting to provide a better future job and education uh, for their families. Uh, Eventually they all settled in Palmerston North and were, I think most, uh, both my dad and mum's parents were the founding families in in Samoa, one of the first at least. Uh, And so uh, my grandpa and papa were both Matais, so chiefs. Uh, My grandpa and grandma were the founding pastors of Samoan Assembly of God in Palmerston North. Uh, my papa and nana were deacons of the Ifagasa Church in Palmerston North. Uh, and nana was a preschool teacher at Malamalama Moni Aonga Amata, which is a Samoan preschool, uh, and was a huge visionary in how the preschool had developed. So I, I had to fill big, big shoes um, in thinking and complaining about my little first world worries today and going, shucks, my grandparents moved from Samoa to New Zealand, didn't know any English, like got a house, raised all their kids, um, and sacrificed so much for us to live the the lives that we live today and my grandpa especially played a huge part he drove us to school to the train station all throughout primary and intermediate up until the age of 90 Uh, and just recently passed away this year at 92 Uh, but my nana also passed away on earlier this year as well uh, dad's mum from a long fight of breast cancer Uh, and so I've now got my one papa left uh, and his birthday's coming up on Christmas so I'll see him soon Uh, but yeah, I think I've, I'm very grateful to have my grandparents um, as people that I look up to. Uh, their legacies, the stories that I just explained, are just part of their journeys um, and part of their impacts of so many people that they've reached. And so I, I always think and um, praise God for the the joy and love and, and sacrifices that they bring to my family and in terms of translating it into my work. Um, that, that service leadership that we talked about at the start, you know, um, always looking to serve others, love on others, um, and just never being complaining or um, being ungrateful for the opportunities that God gives us. And my nana, you know, even when she was really sick in her last few months, would never, never tell us that she was in pain. And I, I saw that faith and that love that she had for us 
and it always inspired me to continue on with my journey um, and I guess just loving others um, for the most part. Uh, but seeing them, and I know this Tavia points this out, um, that I'm the living dream of my my grandparents' prayers and um, and their journeys, their migrant journeys, was such a huge thing for me to be able to do. Uh, so when we link back to the last question, me existing um, is, is what they dreamed of. I mean, going into these spaces is what they dreamed of. So um, I see them as pioneers in their own rights and, and their entrepreneurship that I think I'm so special and have was actually from them. Um, and so I think, yeah, their legacies are ones I'm proud to carry. Uh, not easy, but it's it's ones that I'm really proud to be a part of. Um, and without their sacrifices and love, I definitely wouldn't have been here today. So I'm really grateful to, yeah, have been brought up with them, but also seeing their journey and, and just um, learn a lot about their stories, even after they passed away. It is such a amazing thing to be able to carry on the legacies of people who only ever wanted the best for you and the best for their communities as well and it's it's there's so much strength within that that probably goes unnoticed and unseen I can imagine within that strength though there comes some pressure you mentioned it wasn't easy and so how do you how do you carry that pressure alongside the privilege of of carrying a legacy of such incredible people how do you kind of navigate what challenges might come with that hmm. I think something that I pointed out on a recent panel that I did was I don't do it alone uh, and that's something that I'm very proud to to be able to do um, Tave always says you know we're village made um, a community made and and we have a whole bunch of people around us that are pillars of strength and hold us up uh, so, you know, even though sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, the pressure, here I am complaining about going on the bus and my grandparents walk to their work or bike to their work and it's probably the same length as me. Um, I always, you know, surround myself by amazing parents who love me and support me, my younger sister, Ariana, um, and I have, you know, many aunties and uncles that always look out for me and, and cousins too. So, uh, yeah, those pressures are hard, but I think What's so beautiful is that um, so many people have similar pressures. Uh, so many of our youth, our Pacific, our Maori, or um, just everyone, you know, has those pressures. And I think um, often to check ourselves or hold ourselves accountable, it's important to um, continue to talanoa or um, have conversations with one another um, in order to, yeah, do that journey with others. And you don't have to do it alone. Um, and that's something that I'm incredibly grateful um, to be able to do. Um, and if you don't have that supportive family, you know, friends are amazing too. Uh, our Y25 cohort is so beautiful. We had just had one of the girls check in with us recently about, you know, checking in somewhere and it was a whole um, stressful pressure kind of situation for her, but we all supported her through that. So I think it just goes to show how important your village is in playing a part of your journey. Uh, yes, in those, in those privileges that you experience in celebrating your achievements, but also in helping you in those pressures you face. Mm. Talanoa, is that a conversation? Yes, like a informal um, conversation that we have. So, like for example, um, when we just go, oh, let's just Talanoa. It's just kind of what we're doing now. I'm um, just, you know, mm. speaking to one another. Um, those face-to-face or virtual conversations where it's not as uh, formal as to say. Mm. And how do I pronounce your Samoan culture? Is that Aiga? Yes, I was so proud you put that in. So it's Aiga. <laughs> so like. The Ainga. G-A is like the N-G-A in Māori. Ah, okay, Ainga. Beautiful. Um, 
it's pretty clear to me that your family just exudes the strength. That word strength keeps coming up in everything I say. And I think it's because that is just how I look at you and how I see you and how I, I see your family. And it's interesting because I, I don't even know your family. I, I've spoken to your mum once at the Y launch night. But even then, I, I, the first word that came to my head was strength, just exuded this like power that honestly, it was kind of unique to what I've experienced in other conversations with any other person before and, and seeing you and the legacy you uphold and the way you carry yourself, it is just, it truly does exude this power and strength that I take so much inspiration from. And so does this, is this a part of your Ainga? How has that played a part in the strength that you carry within all of what you do, not only within your work, but your personal life as well? Like, I just want to hear about how that influences you. Strength probably is a good word, but I would kind of say resilience. Um, mm. And I know that word's really common with our Pacific people, but it couldn't be more true for my family. Um, I mentioned, you know, how my grandparents moved to New Zealand and eventually settled in Palmerston North, while my parents actually moved from Palmerston North in 1999 to Auckland. And so they were one of the first, you know, families to move up um, from my family and that, that in itself was a really big move. And, and I guess that migrant journey kind of talks to that strength um, and resilience and, and that hope of finding a better tomorrow. Um, and so, yeah, growing up, we were very much a tight-knit family. Um, I'm very grateful for the, the boundaries that my parents said are set, as Tave says, um, because there comes a lot of challenges with, with living in New Zealand and living in these urban contexts and growing up around people that might not have the same culture or backgrounds or understandings as you. So, um, yeah, I would I would say strength and resilience in terms of persevering, um, continuing to love on each other and and build on each other's uh, weaknesses. Uh, I've seen you know my parents and my sister through some some tough times, but we've also seen some amazing times, and it wouldn't have been possible without that strength. Um, and with that comes unity, and working together and loving on one another as a family, which I'm really blessed and privileged to have and, and I think when you when you said that it was unique I I never really thought of how um, how tight-knit or um, how strong my family were and how much of a an impact that had in my life until we went to the Y25 retreat and I had actually gotten a lot of imposter syndrome there and the first night I remember I called them I was like oh I just I feel like I don't belong here and I'd never felt so more like so much love and I had my family pour into me and pour their love and the strength and, and build me up. And it was such a, an emotional moment to bring them into the space, but also have them build me up in times where I felt like I was climbing up, but I needed a bit of strength. And so I was, I was really privileged to have that, um, that call with them um, and blessed to have their, their words of love speak into me because there are times in our journey where, yes, we have so many privileges, but sometimes it comes with a bit of disconnect from your culture or I'm not necessarily seeing people in the same spaces as you and having my family there um, to build me up and, and help me strengthen myself was um, an amazing thing to be able to have. Uh, and even today, mm -hmm. dad's still here. I'm at the homestay and it, it just means a lot to have my family here with me. Mm -hmm. What do you think is missing? So you mentioned, you know, it can be quite difficult um, coming into these maybe urban spaces and, and it's probably sounds like there might be some challenges with identity too trying to be within two types of communities that can often feel probably so different 
What do you think is missing from an urban context, a Western society, a capitalistic structure that you that exists within your Samoan culture, within your family, within your communities? Um, that yeah, what do you think is missing that we need more of? Hmm. I think to put it in an academic term, um, I recently wrote an essay on this, my cultural disconnect and, and journey, but I titled it, um, I think something along the lines of like dual lived experiences, like my journey of this cultural disconnect and reconnect. Um, and the academic term for it was cultural enclaves of um, those safe, those safe spaces where we can be our cultural, like full selves um, and really embrace our culture um, but to put it in layman's terms, Nana's house, uncle's house, you know, the church, um, Sunday school, or just spaces where we can go in and it's your culture and your space. And I think for a lot of us, we have those spaces, but for those similar to me who grew up, you know, without the language, in the European church, without um, many family around them, uh, we lacked a lot of those spaces. And even though I, home for me was that space, um, I grew up not being taught the language or learning the language. So for me, what was always missing was, um, I guess, the language, but also those spaces where I could go into and feel like it was like Samoa or my home or, or bridged me to my cultural um, self. And I think um, it was really hard to love um, my family or my culture unconditionally because I didn't or still don't uh, understand it fully or even at certain times. And so constantly having to learn and try and connect um, with that language barrier was really, really hard. Uh, and I think, you know, living in the diaspora, those challenges are very much real for our people. Uh, and it brought up a lot of conversations with my parents like, hey, why didn't you teach me Samoan growing up? Like, was that actually a conscious decision or was it something that you just never thought of? And and for them, um, they never really, really spoke to it. But it, when reading between the lines, I can see that there's a lot of intergenerational hurt uh, and pain and assimilation and sacrifices that came with uh, trying to fit into these cultural spaces or these Western societies um, because the racism experiences that they would have had would have been way worse than I would have ever experienced uh, and my grandparents probably even worse than that so I think it's yeah there's missing those the spaces where we can love on each other and and um, be really supportive of one another uh, within our culture and really help our kids to grow up in these spaces where they can speak their language. Um, and so, yeah, growing up in Auckland was really hard, but also going to St. Cuthbert's College was really hard, um, having to fit in that space and navigate. Um, yeah, that school, I completely rejected my culture initially, you know, never wanted to know about it, really wanted to fit in, just felt so called out. And then by the end of it, I was starting to learn more of my culture, doing polyfest, getting surrounded by the Pacific Girls uh, that I could uh, and then in, in university it's been really helpful having moved back down to Palmerston North and being really grounded in my in my roots but also around my grandparents so yeah I think um, if we had more of those spaces or if we had less judgment um, I think it's it's really hard we, we say that we have tall poppy syndrome in Aotearoa well wait till you walk into the auntie's house because honestly our Polynesian aunties have worse tall poppy syndrome you can never be <laughs> skinny enough, fat enough, old enough, you know, have a boyfriend, have this, have that. You just wait, guys. Honestly, I tell you, the judgment is out the gate. I've never never felt more insecure with my aunties or anything like that. So 
there, there's judgment that comes with that too. And I think the pressure is like, oh, I can just never be good enough for these guys. I get into corporate, I go to the courtes. Oh yeah, done that. So what? So what? So what? So um, yeah, I just wish that there was more of those spaces where we could be loved on, uh, whether we speak the language, whether we don't, uh, and to know that we are Samoan because there's so many ways to be Samoan. Uh, even if you don't know the language, um, there's ways to embrace the values and culture. Um, even if it's in English, like an example is the way we respect our elders. I would never talk back to my elders unless I would want a hiding <laughs> or the way we're told to be humble or let the elders eat first. And even though these sound like normal manners, it's within our culture. Uh, and I never realized, oh, I actually know that. But that's not a Western thing. That's actually Samoan. Um, and so yeah, I think it, it comes with time, um, but I'd love to see more of the spaces or even create them. Mm. How would you go about creating them? Oh, I think like we like we say, there's so much power in Salanoa, those informal conversations. I'm just talking about it because we all know it, what it is. We just don't talk about it enough. And I think it always starts with those connections and, and opening up. Even being on this podcast today, I'm so I'm blessed and, and grateful to be able to share this journey because it's something that, you know, people see me and they see my achievements, but they often don't see these journeys and the hurt and pain behind it. Um, yes, I've I start to dance and do my Siva style more and more, but that's something that I didn't grow up with and that's taken a lot of sacrifice to do. So yeah, definitely sharing your journey, opening up to one another, um, or even just looking out for each other, you know. Um, I see so many kids now in a in our top tier schools around um, Aotearoa, we see Vey, um, who's another Y25er, um, and just being able to talk to her about it uh, was a huge um, yeah, door that was open because then she was able to be like, oh, sis, you're like really like me, eh? Like you've had a lot of experiences that I've had. And I was like, yeah, like it's not just you. Mm. Um, there's heaps of us. So, yeah. Mm. I often think about and – I feel, especially at the moment with the political landscape and everything happening and, and people, so many people feeling pain and heartbroken and upset and isolated and like they don't belong. And, and I often think about how one of the most horrible feelings in the world is to feel isolated within your own emotions and like you aren't loved or believed in or cared for um and it can feel as an on an individual level like such a slow journey to get to a place where you can actually meet those people who have the same or similar lived experiences to you where you can relate on things that you can't talk to other people about I try in my head like naturally I'm one of these people that and I've tried to change this about my personality because it can be a bit of a red flag, but I'm often one of those people that tries to think of like the solution before just hearing the problem. Do you know what I mean? And I, I don't know mm. if anyone else can relate to this, but I've actively tried to work on it where it's like, okay, sometimes it's just not about solving every issue now. It's just about hearing people's experiences and, and letting that sit and actually considering with thought um, and with intention how we can move forward from this but in saying that I would like to hear your perspective on easing those challenges of identity especially for Aotearoa born Samoans facing 
or navigating that dual lived experience, speaking to those people now, if and I hope they are listening, what would you say to them about easing maybe some of the pain or the hurt that comes with having to navigate that journey? Hmm. I think it's it's some like we say, like it's a solution that we wish we could solve um, in a click or in an instance, but it's something that as much as I hate to say it, is one of those ones you have to experience and go through to truly understand. Um, just like we're talking about the long game and in some spaces, uh, living life and finding your identity um, needs to happen with a growth mindset, not a deficit-based mindset. And what I mean when I say that is um, there's not always problems, but sometimes you can change those problems into opportunities for solutions or change. Uh, and it's really important that um, when you're growing up that you... I guess, continue to challenge the stigmas and stereotypes that are put against you. Um, even for me, you know, born and raised Manurewa, and you'll see me in every space, I go, 267, 267, everyone. Like, I will rip real hard till I die. Um, and everyone always goes, ooh, like, ooh, what is that? And I'm just like, you know what? Like, you just wait, because um, there's so many people from South Auckland that have done the hard works and done it hard and always ripped our South Auckland um, to the world and it's been um, that unity and strength in seeing those who have I guess done really well in the game um, that continues to ease the pain and um, something for me is like if they can do it then I can do it and and it's um, you know staying grounded in your roots uh, not only 267 but also 685 um, and so <laughs> I also rip Samoa very hard um, and even though you know I might not be um, I guess of the image of of what some of those people perceive 267 and 685 to be, I still come from those places and I will still rip those because I tell a story that is not told enough, which is the successes and growth and lived experiences of our people that have seen us thrive in spaces that we were never meant to be in or spaces that were never designed for us. And so um, in easing those by yourself, quite a hard thing to do, uh, but it comes with a lot of you know mental strength and resilience and building yourself up um, and continuing to exist, just like we talked about, um, but with a village, um, it becomes easier. And so I think, you know, when I looked at my parents, I was like, oh, mom, you worked in corporate for years and you never complained to me about how annoying those lawyers were or how annoying your work was. Why? And she was like, oh, you know, like you just get on with it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my parents have been doing this for years. And so, you know, even the people that you wouldn't even think of, your parents, your siblings, your uncles and aunties, they have been doing the same challenges for so many years. And when I think, when we think about it like that, that our parents also were kids at a time, and um, we begin to see the people around us that have also faced the same challenges uh, and can help us in understanding those through their lens. It might not be applicable to our journey, um, but you take everything with a, with a grain of salt, as they say, or... Um, and I guess try and understand it for yourself. And so, yeah, I, w I was never really able to ease those pains. You know, our Pacific Islanders do it best. We just laugh it off and chuck some humor in there and just make everything funny. But really, it's, it comes with a lot of hurt. So uh, I think, you know, when it's those real conversations, um, then you can really understand the, the I guess, the perspectives or uh, challenges behind it. But I wouldn't say that I would have the solutions to easing or reducing it. Uh, but I definitely have a lot of connections and people. So um, a few shout outs is to Latavia, who's done some amazing things. I've watched her um, acceptance of the Prime Minister's Youth Awards so many times because she talks about herself 
um, not being the mere exception, but just an example of what happens when people pour into you, when a village loves on you. And to me, uh, that was such an amazing quote to think about, you know, we are not the exceptions, we are just examples of so many other stories of success. I mean, what happens when you have a village stand behind you and truly believe in you? Uh, and that's probably the best solution I can say um, into easing or reducing things. Mm. I also love that speech from Latavia, and I'll link it in the description for anyone who wants to go and watch it because it actually is incredible on her Instagram. Follow her. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> but on reflection, I think easing is the wrong word because you shouldn't have to ease uh, or take away pain of something that's wrong and should be changed ultimately. Like we should. Yeah. No one should have to just deal with something that um, takes away uh, or invalidates who they are or their own experience. So I suppose how I would change that is is how people can continue to thrive in spaces that are not built for them um, and can and can feel empowered somewhat in some way or, or work to change it. But you know, you mentioned it takes community sharing those experiences, Talanoa. Um, mm. And I, I think that that is a lesson all of us can learn from because from having this podcast over the last couple of years or whatever, change and growth, evolution of not only people but systems and structures, it comes a lot from just planting a seed, you know, a breadcrumb in someone's mind. This could be the episode, for example, that someone listens to and it changes their whole life. And it wouldn't have just been this episode in isolation. It would have been all the little breadcrumbs of of value and things they'd learnt over time. And you, Leilani, would have said something that just clicked with them and they were like, yep, this woman has changed my life and I have no doubt that will happen. But it also might be the first conversation that someone has ever listened to about the things that we're talking about. And so this is only breadcrumb one that they can refer mm. back to time and time again. Um, and so I agree. I think there is power in, in those informal chats, uh, in those mentioning of something and that awareness. Um, and you might think one little action, one little word is insignificant, but we do hold so much power and, in the things that we say uh, in the conversations we do have, do you think? Mm, I definitely agree. I remember the podcast that did it for me. And honestly, Latavia will hate me for this, but it's literally the episode that she was on, on Share the Elevator. So shout out to Share the mm. Elevator. They are another Y25 um, alum uh, podcast by Jill um, and another friend. I forget her name. I think it's Ella at this point. Um, but um, yeah, Jillian is a sister that also went to my school. So a lot of the experiences we had were, were kind of shared in a way. I mean, I remember listening to it and I was like, boundaries set, because that was what the podcast was on um, and that changed my life. But I agree with you. It's it's just those breadcrumbs and those conversations and take it for what it is. Um, not everything will always speak to you, uh, but if there is those conversations that you'd love to have, always here, breadcrumb number two, my Instagram, <laughs> all my yes. TikTok. Whatever you want. <laughs> oh, so, yes. yes. Those those will come, but you can pay me if you'd like some better advice as well. $5. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. kidding. She's not kidding. Um, but we'll, <laughs> we will absolutely have all her socials linked below as well for anyone that wants to check it out. And I do want to talk about your content creation journey and how that's been going and what you yeah. want to share. But before we do that, I wanted to 
mention and reiterate that I also love Share the Elevator. Love Latavia's episode. Love everyone's episode. Um, the first season, I listened to literally every episode the day it came out. So I'll also link it down below for those that want to listen because it's such an incredible podcast and uh, the people who run it are um, so amazing as well. So tell me, you know, you've started your internship with, with Deloitte and you have also started this content creation grind, so to speak. You're putting yourself out there and it's not easy. People think that, you know, putting yourself out there online is like, oh my God, so cringe. No, it takes work and effort, okay? <laughs> and emotional capacity. I would know because I've had to do it and I struggle with it all the time. So talk to me about that, how it's going and, and what you want to share online. Sure. Um, so we said at the beginning saying yes to opportunities. Uh, another way that I serve my communities is also by bringing them into these spaces and sharing those opportunities. Uh, and so a lot of that um, has also has come through my high school, um, you know, whether it's videos or photos or, or sharing parts of my journey. Um, and I realized in the past few years that a lot of people have actually watched me grow up or have seen me progress throughout my journey. Um, and I thought, you know what, like I actually love doing this. And I think I'm a bit of a pro editor so let me do more and so um no I would say I'm not necessarily a content creator yet um but someone who just loves to share opportunities and loves to capture beautiful memories and moments uh, and so and starting my internship was just another one of those opportunities that I wanted to share on my content uh, on socials and so a lot of that has looked like you know capturing our first few weeks um, or sharing parts of our work um and I'm just really grateful to be able to do that. Um, but I think it's it's a beautiful thing to be able to do uh, and capturing memories and moments, but also showing people uh, not only through my lived experiences, but also online um, that you can do things, you can go into spaces, um, and I'm not the only one that can. There's been so many other people uh, that have been before me and so many people to follow. Uh, so that's that's how it's going. Um, I will see where whether brands want to sponsor me soon. I'm open, guys. So, you know, oh. just come through. I'm already Sarah's ambassador for the one up project. So, we'll see what more Honestly, yes. the sponsorship uh, opportunities will be coming through loud and proud soon enough. I assure you of that. I think, like, I need a new wardrobe. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. head her up. Head her up. No, I love it so much like I'm such a big fan of people starting TikToks or sharing more of their life on Instagram I think obviously we're all just curious and nosy and want to know about people's lives but I love hearing people's perspectives obviously I have a podcast that just does that but like it is so interesting to me I'm the biggest fan of anyone starting like a TikTok where they vlog where they share their thoughts where they do many podcasts where they haul things they bought where they talk about their latest skincare like obsession I love that shit and so for anyone listening that is considering starting that journey please do because it's always so fascinating and we need more voices of any kind online in general mm. just talking about the things they're doing or the things they're going through because I can tell you that you will be hitting a niche a small nuanced audience of people who have never ever ever heard someone talk about the thing that you're going to talk about like and it's going to help them so much. Uh, and that is, you. everyone has that ability because everyone has such a multi-layered, unique, nuanced experience of life. And so in the parts that overlap with some people, 
and the parts that don't overlap with some people they will overlap with others and and vice versa uh and so i absolutely love it so leilani tell us where can people find you what are the handles i'll link them below as well but just um let us know where we can look for you Sure. Well, I thought I'd go so unique and just do my name. So Leilani <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and my lines are always open. Um, and so always happy to have a conversation. Um, but yes, just to add to your point, Sarah, you know, um, in starting your content creation, you never realize the people you'll impact, you'll reach, you'll touch, whether it's those you already know or those that don't even know you at all. And I think the scariest thing for me is like, some people are so silent, but then all of a sudden you just get this big long paragraph of like, oh my gosh, you've helped me so much. And I was like, but you've never said anything to me, Buffy, like why now? And so it's it's so awesome to see the reach and also the impact you have. And I would say I'm the living embodiment of cringe. I think I'm so cool some days and I get humbled so badly by my younger sister. So you know what? <laughs> I will continue to use that Gen Z uh, slang and corporate lingo until I die. So watch me. Mm continues to be cringe but I think also be my authentic self and um yeah love love sharing my content and if you ever need any help on any of the conversations we've had today um or any of the things that you want to talk about yeah just find me and then yeah Mm. I love it please just continue to to be your authentic self and to continue to put yourself out there um in whichever way feels most genuine to you because the people who are the most comfortable with being cringe are going to be the ones that actually change the world and actually contribute um, in a big way because they are willing uh, to, as the Brene, oh, not, not Brene Brown quote, she just talks about it. Who, who did say that quote, daring greatly? Was it Theodore Roosevelt? Because those people who are willing to be cringe are the ones that put themselves in the arena. And so th- this quote is called mm-hmm. the arena or something. And basically it says like the credit doesn't go to the person that stands on the outside judging the person in the r- arena. The credit goes to the person that's in the arena, like doing the thing and putting themselves out there and putting themselves on the line. Um, and I, I think that so many of us will, will benefit from seeing more people like yourself in the arena. And I was going to say, you know, you're one to watch, but you're one that everyone should already be watching because you just achieve such incredible things every day by being exactly who you are and choosing to show up as that person. Um, so Leilani, it's been more than a privilege to have you on this podcast to talk to us. Uh, I enjoy every conversation we have. I enjoy hearing your thoughts and and your experiences. And I I just cannot wait to listen to more of what you have to say moving forward and into the future. So just congratulations on everything you are and everything you do, gal. No, thank you, Sarah. It's been an honor and privilege being here today. And um, I can't believe that I'm still sitting here in this little virtual room with you. And I'd like Mm -hmm. to sign off by saying 685 and 267 to the world. (laughs) Let's go. The perfect way to end it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.